0: My name is Mark Solomon, and this is Never Was. I never was a postman. Never even occurred to me. Never occurred to me that that could be an option, really. My guest tonight, Rene Vasquez, a.k.a. Peace586, is a postman. He's many other things, of course, and if you listened to last week's episode, you already know that. And if you haven't, what are you doing? Skipped a part. Go back. Okay, so let's see. Postman, we got that. Music maker, got that one, too. But tonight, you're going to find out that Renee. Rene Vasquez, also known as Peace586. Um, He's also a husband, a father, a friend. I never was a postman, but I can see the appeal, especially if you're talking about being a mail carrier, which Peace was for at least some span of time. It's hard to know exactly how long, for reasons that shall be made clear in our continued conversation. A mail carrier. I mean, that actually sounds kind of great to me. Outside, fresh air, moving, moving, moving. We don't want to talk about dogs. We don't want to talk about hot weather. Okay. We're only focusing on the good parts. For years, I worked behind a bar. And for years before that, on the floor of various restaurants and coffee shops and so forth. But years or decades or eons? It felt like eons. Anyway, these days, things have changed. They've changed. I'm outside a lot. I work as a grunt in TV production. I carry cables, I chase around camera operators. Honestly, it's kind of amazing. I love it. It's physical work. There's a lot of sweat and dirt involved. But in the end, it is at times exciting and even interesting. Who knew? I kind of can't believe that I'm doing this, honestly. I know, I I know. Anyone who did hear last week's episode, okay, yeah, Uh, you heard what I sound like after a 90-hour work week. And for the record, no, I was not high, okay? I was just tired. Uh, Tired and weary. But you know what? It beats tired, weary, and smelling of other people's used food. Or worse, used wine. As I talk with Renee and uh, we reconnect with our friendship, I can see why he went there. You know, I can see why he went that direction. There's something very satisfying about just working. It's hard to believe, especially knowing what I know now, that I ever thought I would escape that. Because after all, I never was a rock star. Okay, before we get started, I have to tell you what follows is one of the heavier conversations I've had on this show. I can talk about it now, all light and stuff, because I've already done it. But I'm telling you, this one kind of crushed me. I'm sure part of it has to do with my love for my friend. Part of it for my own life as a husband, which I would categorize more with coming up short than with success, really. And part of it is knowing that there is something real here. Something of value. I don't know. As far as I can tell, this is the whole point. It's the whole point of this show. Yeah, talk to people, anyone. But also... Create something of value. I wanted to take time at the start of the show. Uh, I wanted to tell you thank you. Thank you for letting me do this. Thank you for letting me be a part of your commute, your yard work, your workout, or whatever it is you do, if anything, while you listen. I think this conversation is important and I can't wait for you to hear it. Please enjoy part two of my conversation with a true brother and friend, Mr. Renee Peace586. Vasquez. I loved rap music. I made a rap record. It was not a good record. <laughs> yes, there were elements of it that were really good. Uh, musically, I thought there were some... Great playing on it. Some guys from my hometown of Fresno who are excellent musicians. These people contributed this record, but I made it just like out with no input from anyone trying to do my own thing, trying to find out who I am. And it was a mess. And one of the few people during this time, uh, I mean, I called it Native Son for crying out loud. Have you ever read Native Son? No. No. <laughs> The irony of naming that project Native Son after you read that book will maybe cause you to hate my guts, Renee. just so you know. (laughs) Anyway, the only person who really... What did I say, Mark? You said, this is not good. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you said, this is not good. And you said, it's like, I'll remember this forever. Oh, my God. It's like, you have no style... But that's your style. <laughs> mm. Mm. <laughs> oh, so so regrettable. I'm sorry. You were the first person to begin the process of shoehorning my head out of my own ass. That's what was happening there. You know. Well, that's what happened. It, that those first couple prize with the shoehorn, when your head is buried so deeply up in there, they're going to be painful. Mm-hmm. You know, no big deal. Mm-hmm. It's called tough love.
1: You're making me feel bad right now.
0: No, you should feel good because that really did start me on this path of waking, waking up. I was like in this place where I didn't, I just didn't see what was right in front of me the whole time, which was my identity is just just be myself, be yeah. Mark, be Mark from Fresno. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have to manufacture anything.
1: I think that's what made me want to get to know you when I saw you at cornerstone and um, when i saw you perform especially it was like you were being you You, like you were just just being chill and i felt like and this dude seems like a cool dude you know and with the record yeah it was like man this ain't you dog, you know and (laughs) and i might have said it that way it might have seemed like it was like cruel but in all honesty it was just like i just appreciate who you are and i just wanted you to be real with yourself and your art because you you are amazing.
0: I know that I know that you wanted that and I adamantly state this is not in any way supposed to make you feel bad. <laughs> you should feel like at least cuz look, we're still friends and yeah. how many people's names that were on that poster saying how great this thing was are still in the picture anymore? Very very few.
1: Well, it's like, you know, when you when you see a, a movie on a commercial being played over and over again and how it's given five stars and
0: mm-hmm. entertainment
1: magazine variety. And, and then when you go see it on the theater, it's a piece of shit, you know, because they're just <laughs> trying to sell the, the movie. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. Dude. It's called hype. I understand. Yeah, I, I, so there I am. I, and I, I don't know how I got into that spot, man. I mean... You do know. Well, pride. I mean, arrogance is the only Yeah, and you I... were
1: offered a deal. You were offered a a, a deal to make a record. and you, you Yeah,
0: but I, I was looking for it. I mean, I was looking to do my own thing because, you know, that's the arrogance of men. Oh,
1: yeah, I remember that. I remember that. You were getting a little burnt out of the crew and yeah. you were thinking, like, what do I do next? So you decided to become a white rapper.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I decided to do something. And... Man, I don't think I. And you said
1: this doesn't work, so let me go do this over here. Mm, Yeah, the stavesaker,
0: and that's actually I can say that that's not what happened. What what did you do after the rap record then? Nothing. Oh, you chill. I was lost Mm. in a sea of nowhere, Mm. and the only reason why the stavesaker stuff ever got to happen was because I got saved. (laughs) Okay. But the process of that is is where you come in. I'm in San Fernando Valley, and I'm. I'm not doing well. Yeah. Native son has become known for what it really was, which is just not a great choice. Okay. No no one would talk to me. I think people were really embarrassed for me, but they were also really pissed at me because I burned a lot of bridges, you know, and uh, I'm in this apartment and all I have is a phone and I've discussed this very recently, but I had no television, no real interaction with anybody else. And of course this is pre internet or that, So I really have nothing going on. And you were one of the few people. You and Julia Griffin and uh, Pigeon John and Wayne Everett, surprisingly, were some of the few people who actually reached out to me and came to see me. You know, I remember you came and picked me up. Where at? In Fresno or in, in San Fernando Valley at my oh, my apartment. That's right. I remember that now. You came and picked me up, and you took me to um, to Muddy's Cafe because we were going to go see a band play at Muddy's Cafe that was called The Killing Tree. You just basically were like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. (laughs) What's wrong with you? Get, get, come back, you know? And that night is the night that I met Tim Mann again. I hadn't seen him in years. He was in Focus, Crucified, used to play with a lot of times. He was my opening into coming back to Southern California, getting out of San Fernando Valley. And really that was like a major change in my life is, is when... I got my life back, you know, but honestly, dude, you don't take me to Muddy's that night hmm. and force me out of my little hole of wallowing. Hmm. Uh, it doesn't happen. Man. And I also remember that you were the, that's the first time I ever had a latte. Cause you told me a vanilla latte was delicious. You should try it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Because, uh, I got hip to them when I was in Seattle, like in 1992. <laughs>
0: I moved down to Southern California, and then we stopped hanging out.
1: Yeah, man. You disappeared.
0: Why? Why is that?
1: I don't know. That's that's bizarre. Like I said, you know, I would see you quite often. I remember driving to Seattle to do a show and driving back home and stopping in Fresno to visit you at your apartment. Hmm. And I think uh, we met up with the rest of the boys. Yeah. And just hanging out. And it was like, I wanted to go visit you. I wanted to just go hang out with Mark just for a minute before I went back to SoCal. Yeah. But yeah, you were like my friend. And I really wanted to hang out with you and us, you know, build a brotherhood together. Not not even about music and shit. Yeah. It wasn't even about that. It was just about like, I thought you were a real special brother and you knew a lot. And for some reason we had a bond, you know? And then when you move to Huntington or right here where I stay and I'm like man you got lost I lost your number you, you didn't have mine and I knew you were here but it was like maybe I got married and and I was doing my thing you know family wise and uh I really wasn't I didn't have the time you know I had kids yeah. and I didn't have the time to put into reaching out the extra hand as I wanted to, you know.
0: Well, I think it was probably a combination of that and just the way things were. I mean, we really did. I don't know how it happened. And honestly, I don't know how people got back in touch with each other before the internet, you know? I mean, when I moved to, to Huntington Beach, something happened and numbers got lost and numbers got exchanged. And I, I had some some healing to do for a couple of years there. But I think you met, I think you met your wife shortly after that. And you know. A lot of demands were were there. Oh yeah,
1: oh yeah. You know, I I married into my family, so when I got married at twenty seven, I already had a six year old and a three year old. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like okay, well, me and my wife are going to hang out. We, you know, I introduced it to her, all my friends and whatever. It was like boom, instant dad. Yeah, home, homework, dinner, practices. You know, whatever. And yeah, I really stopped hanging out with everybody, even. My crew.
0: I don't think I ever met her. I really you probably don't.
1: Had, you probably didn't, Mark. And I'm just trying to think of like, I mean, she knew about you, though. It wasn't like um, I wasn't playing like your music or the crew's music, you know, on my computer or whatever back then. But, um, you know, she, I don't think, but she knew about you, definitely.
0: See what I, what I think happened was you and I lost touch through the moves randomly and then life takes over and you get busy, but also you meet Melissa, you guys get married. You have a lot of demands on you suddenly because of, you know, with the family and all that. And then, Mm. you know, health and I mean, what happened, man? What happened?
1: Well, I mean, we were doing good, man. And, uh, we were just living and. You know, I, Are you still making working. music at this time? Not at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I wasn't. I still had my drum machine. Uh, I was wanting to, but I was so tied up with my son and and him wanting to play sports, and my daughter wanting to play sports, and, and just trying to be a dad and, yeah. and a husband, just trying to make it work. That I didn't have time to make music, although I d- I desired to. Sure, I didn't even have the time. But um, you know, I was twenty seven years old and. I got married into my family. You know, my wife had a six and a three-year-old, a six-year-old son and a three-year-old daughter. And uh, I married into my family. And I became instant dad, you know, an instant husband, um, instant father. You know, nine to five, come home, got to cook, got to clean, got (laughs) to do the homework, take the baths, you know, pajamas. Did
0: you like that? Yeah,
1: I did. Because um, it's always something that that I felt like I could be good at. Yeah, I just felt like I could be good at this. And I loved it, man. I loved being a dad and a father and a husband. I loved it, man. The family thing was just my, I couldn't wait to come home and spend time. And and my wife would just sometimes just, I would come to the door and she would just run and jump into my arms and, and seriously, just so happy to see me home. And yeah, yeah, we loved each other a lot. We still do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: it's just different now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Six or seven years into the, to the marriage.
1: Yeah. Um, she gets about, yeah, year seven. She uh, starts getting these complications. Uh, she lost her vision in an eye mm-hmm. and, then um thought it was just weird, man. Yeah. <laughs> My wife was the type of person where if she broke a fingernail that she had to have like Tommy John
0: surgery, <laughs> She hypochondriac a,
1: a little bit. bit, a little bit, and so when she told me she went blind in one eye, I really thought, okay, you know, well, what do, what do you want me to do about that? You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, let let just go to the doctor or make a doctor appointment and we'll figure it out. So she did that, and she told me they put her on like three days of uh, steroids, and it came back, and everything was good, you know, and. Mm-hmm. Few months later she lost her vision in the other eye. And I said, Oh simple, just go back and get some more steroids (laughs) and uh we'll fix it. And she did that. And then a few months after that, man, she started getting these little
0: seizures. Okay.
1: And it was it became weird now. And um they found a lesion in her brain and um they didn't know if it was a brain tumor. Or if it was multiple sclerosis, okay. So they did all kinds of tests, you know, spinal taps and MRIs and CAT scans and urine and blood for months and months and months, and they just couldn't figure it out. Symptoms said this, but they were they didn't want to rule out a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. So she began she she became impatient, and she chose to have the lesion biopsy okay and when they did that in her brain it, the lesion was on her brain stem and when they did that um, they found out it was multiple sclerosis, which was good because if it was a tumor there would be no way they would be able to operate on it mm-hmm. but it made the MS really aggressive and she lost her ability to walk and her speech became very very uh, slurred. Okay. And, um, I took a few months off of work and we did physical therapy and we rehabbed and she got back to walking and, and her speech became better. And she was on, you know, she was diagnosed with MS and we were going to fight this thing and beat this thing. And, and, uh, uh, she went back to work, uh, which was great. And, um, everything was lovely But about three years into that, no, about a year after that, I'm sorry, a year and a half, she started losing her ability to walk again. And uh, and from there, she's really, really gotten to a place where she's at now, which is pretty bad. She's currently in hospice care right now. Mm -hmm. Um, We're just trusting the Lord, and we're just uh, waiting on him to do his thing. And whenever he's ready to take her home, we will celebrate that.
0: Forgive me for asking the cruel stuff. I don't know how to do this. It's not cruel. Is there no hopeful prognosis for recovery? I mean, I don't understand MS. I don't really know what it is, man. You know, really,
1: there's no cure for MS. There's just the uh, treatments and drugs you could take to slow down the progression, mm-hmm. to put the disease in uh, remission. Okay, you know, um, but there's no cure. She's tried every drug treatment known to MS. Um, Mm -hmm. There's, I think, five of them. And the last one she was on before we currently pulled her off, um, she was doing good on. However, she is in a, you know, almost vegetative state where she's atrophied from the neck down. And, um, she can't move. She can't swallow on her own. She can't talk. She can't, uh, she can't do anything, man. So uh, she can't swallow, you know, she gets tube fed and she's been like that for uh, almost seven years now. Huh. So her body's becoming, has become resistant to almost every antibiotics for infection. and uh, the family and I have finally got to a point where we just made a decision collectively with the kids and her mom and dad to basically just shut it all down and just Mm -hmm. trust the Lord. Just, just trust God completely. We don't know. I mean, obviously the, the experts will tell us, you know, this is what you should expect this much time, this many Mm -hmm. months, this many weeks. Um, but, uh, We don't know, you know, and it's to me, it's almost a good thing. You know, it's where you really, really get to see God in his fullness. You know, you get to trust him completely. I've wanted to do this a long time ago, but as her husband, I didn't want to take it away from her mom yeah, who gave birth to her and her kids who still call her mom. Sure. So I felt like I would just take a step back, you know, live my life. And as I know Melissa would want me to, um, which she shared with me time and time again. Yeah. Um, and just wait until they were ready to make this decision. And, and now that we're here, I feel like in a way, there's sometimes where I'm really emotional and and I'm sad because, you know, she's probably going to die. Um, but then I feel like, you know what, man, this is like the, this is like, like when, when Abraham sacrificed his son, like, like when he was saying, you know what, God, you're God, mm-hmm. I I, I got to do whatever you tell me to do. So I'm going to do this and I'm going to trust it. This is what you want. So move. Yeah. You know, like, like saying, all right, the ball's in your court now, do it. And whatever you do, whether it's bring her back or take her home, I'm good with because you're God.
0: Yeah. Jim Chaffin was on the show a few weeks ago talking about when his mom was in uh, pretty bad shape, you know, she's on life support and, and he wasn't sure what to do, you know, it's a lot of questions about where to go from there. Our pastor from the church I grew up in, which was uh, Calvary Chapel, Fresno, he, he put it great. He said, you know, you are giving God the opportunity to either work a miracle or bring her home. And that's that's all yeah. there is to it, you know? It's sometimes yeah. it's out of your hands.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and I've recognized that years ago. Yeah. However, God is so good, Mark. You know, I, I'm such a mess up, man. I'm 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 the biggest fuck up ever. Mm. And I'm not afraid to admit it. And I'll tell you, man, I've done so much wrong. You know, however, he is so merciful and his grace is oh my God. I can't I can't be thankful enough because If this were done two or three years ago and she would have been taken home then, man, I would probably be worse off. Like, I I had to go through the six years of her suffering for my sake to be where I am at now. And this is another reason why I love her so much, even still. Like, she's laying in a bed, can't do shit. You know, she can't taste uh, a. a strawberry you know um the coffee that she used to love to drink you know she can't move to 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 see her granddaughter you know she can't do she can't say to her kids that she loves them she can't use her own vocal cords yet <laughs> she's surviving for me because i'm an idiot that has to learn a lesson and figure out life mm-hmm. and it's like, really? it's just so humbling when I see her because I mean she she's teaching me still on her deathbed, and it's amazing to me uh, how are you doing, man? I mean, you know there are days where i uh, I'm stronger than others mm-hmm. um but you know, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so I have to constantly remind myself that, um, I am, I am more than, than what I was, you know, I, I'm not a failure. I'm not, a a fuck up, like I said. And, um, uh, you know, I'm good. However, I'm human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, uh, and I've fallen time and time again. And, uh, but yet I still stand. And um, I give God all the glory, man. And uh, I'm, I'm just being transparent and real and honest and open with my life. Yeah. And I'm not going to fake the funk with anybody. Yeah. And as much as I would ask people to do with me. And you could sense when people are, you know, holy roller, Christian, super saved guy, mm-hmm. You know, and I just straight up tell him, like, just be you. You know, be real. And for me, I I just live my life day to day, one day at a time. I'm thankful for when I wake up and I make out a plan for the day, and I try to go for it. Um, I've recently fell in love with weight training and and exercising, and
0: yeah, I saw
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: carb night or something. Yeah,
1: yeah, man. I'm I'm really trying to to that has really helped me a lot mentally with uh taking my mind off things you know I, I i love to play golf um i try to stay active mentally you know mm-hmm. um with things to keep my mind off things and more so to keep my mind off of me telling myself uh, how much of a failure i am hmm you know and it's a lie Where, where's
0: yeah. where's this coming from this failure stuff i just
1: feel I, you know i, I feel i could have been better at as a husband i could have been better as a dad i could have been better at, at loving my wife at some of the things that that i know that she might have wanted or wanted for us or and so i feel like i let her down and i feel like like the stress that was put upon her i i kind of let it towards her or not that we ever, I mean, yeah, we did fight like normal couples do, but Mm -hmm. we never fought, you know, I never left the house. We made a promise from day one when we got married that we would never sleep
0: on the anger. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. We would never sleep on the couch. We would go to bed and say goodnight and kiss each other and just go to bed. That was a promise. And we kept to that. Um, as much as we fought, you know, for silly things, we kept to that. And, um, however, I, I put a lot of weight on myself that, uh, that I could have did more to relieve her of, of a lot of stress that she put on herself and, um, which might have led to her getting worse. And so that's where I feel a lot of times that I failed.
0: Do you think that confronting yourself with this is going to help anything right now? Do you feel like nailing yourself for your perceived failures is going to help anything now?
1: No, no, definitely not. I mean, it, it's not it's So not why help. Do you
0: keep doing that? I
1: know. I'm human. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm human.
0: There's your humanity right there is that you won't let it go.
1: I know, Mark, but you have to understand, she's dying. I know, man. I know. She's going to die. And when I see it, it it's evident it's reality and it's 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 almost natural for me to say what can i do to make this better or or what oh, could yeah, i yeah. what could i've done that's what the husband does to make it make it better and the guilt that i put on myself is just sometimes so immense,ful that um mm-hmm. yeah i have bad days man you know i drink i drink And I put myself to sleep and I do foolish things and I, and I, uh, Mm -hmm. and I react foolishly and I admit it, but the next day I get up and I ask for forgiveness and I move on and I try to be better than I was yesterday. And when I ask for forgiveness, I'm forgiven because that's what my Bible says. And, Mm -hmm. and I just keep moving. And every day I'm allowed to live an, an my life and have another shot at being a better husband, at being a better person, a better friend.
0: Oh man, <laughs> gosh!
1: I don't mean to turn your podcast into a Debbie Downer, but um, the reality oh, is, man.
0: Shit. You know what, dude? There's nothing. There's nothing <laughs> Downer about that. You know what's <laughs> going to happen after I'm done talking to you right now? Right. To go hug my wife, bro.
1: Yeah, man. You should do that.
0: I know that you would want
1: me to do that. Yeah, man. I tell everybody all the time. All the time. I see couples, you know, I'm by myself pretty much 90% of the time. I'll be at a bar and I'll see a couple, or if I'm at a park, or if I'm at the beach and I see a couple, mm-hmm. or, you know, I see myself, and, and, uh, or if I have friends, you know, that are in relationships, you know, I'll tell them all the time, man. a matter of fact, I have a dude, a friend of mine that just signed a record deal with a major cat and, um, I'm so happy for him, but I text him and I said, congratulations. How's your wife? Uh, You know, I don't want (laughs) to hear shit about your record deal. Like really, I want to know how your family is like, really that, that, that's why I feel like, like my calling, you know what, Mark, this is so stupid that we're talking about this right now because... Today I I ask God, what is my purpose? Like I feel like I have no purpose anymore. Huh. I feel like I have nothing left. Take me home.
0: You know what that is? That's that's not God.
1: Yeah. However, I'm I'm speaking and I'm figuring, I'm seeing it. I'm like, oh shit, this is a hit. I need to help husbands. I need to help men.
0: I mean, listen, man. You know, I'm scrambling here. <laughs>
1: Whoo. Like seriously, though, like, I mean, you need to. All men, you need to love your wives more. You need to love them better. You need to. You need to outdo them daily.
0: people who listen to this show are dudes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure there are some some ladies that listen, but it's mostly yeah. dudes. And, uh I think all of us have been at a point, various points along the way where you can't do anything but go I I suck. This is yeah. not good. I, yeah. This is not what she signed up for, you know? Yeah. I mean, even simple stuff, dude. I, I told my wife just today like I cannot be a TV husband where the wife is all hot. And then the husband is like this fat tub of shit, you know, like, what is that? (laughs) dude? I'm not going there, man, you know, but that's obviously a very simplistic way of looking at it. The interaction that people have, I mean, everybody's seen it, you know, that couple at the restaurant that are like sitting at a table and they don't say a word to each other the whole time, Yeah, you know, Yeah, Shame dude That's shame
1: I used to be that way Dang That's another reason Why I feel guilty Melissa would We'd be on the It's funny you say this We'd, We'd Be in the living room And watching a movie And I'd be on the couch And she'd be on another couch And she'd ask If she could sit next to me And I would say Why?
0: Oh man
1: Aren't you comfortable Where you are? You know Just little stupid shit Like that You know And I remember a lot of these things that I just wish I had a second chance, man. Mm-hmm. This stupid stuff, man. I could have been better, Mark. As as hot as she was, as beautiful as she was, we, we would go out to uh, maybe just have a drink and, and listen to some music. And I'd go to a restroom and there'd be two or three guys trying to talk to her while I was away. <laughs> and she would... Say, honey, that's not me. It's them. Mm-hmm. There, and I would say, no. Go ahead, talk to them. You know, talk them all you want. I'm good. I'll just be over here. Mm-hmm. You know, I really didn't care. I it was. I didn't. It didn't phase me. Just stupid stuff.
0: Where's that coming from, man?
1: Man, I was bad, man. I was just. I just didn't care. I love being a family, but me being a husband in the beginning, it was. I really didn't put a hundred percent effort into being a husband and it's sad, but as she got sick, I became better. Hmm. And a lot of people, they give me a lot of praise and pats on my back and say, Oh, you're such a good husband, a good Hmm. man, a good. And I just tell them, you have no (laughs) idea. Like it might look like it, yeah, on the Instagram pictures and whatever, but you guys have no idea how bad I was. And not bad as a husband, I still provided for my family. I love my wife, you know, but mm-hmm. you know, just little things I could have did, like, you know, even back then, Mark, I was a fat ass too, you know. I should have been Taking care of myself and said, you know what? This is my wife, man. She wants to see her husband looking all good, and mm. you know, I mean, she wants her husband to, you know, be in shape. You know, I mean, come on, man, you should be. Yeah, you're, it's your wife. You're, you're you're her prize, her possession. You know, um, but man, I was bad, man. You know, even flirting with other chicks and shit, and just just stupid shit, man. Just dumb. But you know, hey, you know what? I can't go back. She's in the position she's in. Mm -hmm. I love her. I still mess up day to day, Um, but that don't mean I don't love my wife and I'm going to be here until she goes. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a time where I left her, you know, Um, I left her for a while and I thought, you know, I'm just going to do my own thing. And like I said, I'm thankful that she didn't pass away then because I would be more of a wreck right now. I had to go through that to learn a lot of things and to come back to her and um, not go through with the divorce that I filed for, mm-hmm. you know, four years ago. I had to go through those things to learn how to be a better man and a, a, a better person for myself. And, uh, you know, now that we're here, I'm still learning, you know, but um, God is, his timing's perfect and we're just waiting on him, you know?
0: Yep. Oh, I'll tell you something, man. Like, you know what's funny, dude? You know what? I can't stop. I can't stop thinking this right now. Like it's, it's just hammering me in my head. Mm. How stupid, how worthless, how pathetically small does rock and roll and the music business feel right at this moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, boohoo! I didn't get my di- like, really, man, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh
1: yeah, man. I mean, it's it's bullshit. Music Bottom line is, we
0: both, we all know it. Yeah.
1: it's it's bullshit.
0: We all like know really.
1: It. The music business is just bullshit. It's a It's just a ton of bullshit. You know what it is? Music is great, and making music is. Is phenomenal. It's great. It is what's supposed to be. You're supposed to do that. But the business of it, man, it's bullshit. Mm. Man, it's about being a man, being a, a woman, being responsible, being committed, being a leader, being a follower of Christ, just doing the things that what you're supposed to do on a daily basis. Music is secondary. Mm. You know, and and I try to tell people all the time that I know, even these young new cats that, you know, rappers that I know. You know, I just try to school them on stuff that I've learned. But basically, I just try to tell them, man, you know, just be yourself, man. Don't allow <laughs> the business to change who you are as a person. Yeah. You know, if it starts to if you start to feel that way, man, get out. Don't do no more or don't do it for that.
0: Go become a postman. <laughs> really? Seriously. <laughs> hey,
1: you know what? You know what's weird is I went to see De La Soul in in uh, January mm-hmm. and I was in uh, L.A., at the House of Blues and I was with Pigeon John Mm -hmm. and um, we were outside waiting to get in and uh, we were talking and he was talking about, you know, I said, man, how you doing, man? How's it going? He said, man, you know, struggling, you know, just trying to, I need a job, man. I need some money. I got two babies, you know, I got, (laughs) and I was like, man, I I feel you, man. It's hard, you know? And you know what he asked me? He said, peace. How did you know? How did you know back then that this wasn't going to pay off? How, How did you know? And I looked at him and was like damn that's a that's a good question, like really, how did I know? I mean, I didn't know, but I had a father that worked twenty years at driving a bus mm-hmm. in New York City, and I saw him retire at the age of fifty and him being a a disabled vet and collecting a pension from the m t a and his veterans and then his social security and getting money basically to sit (laughs) his ass at home. And I learned like, man, what did, what did he do to, to get all of that? You know, basically he got a career type job with a pinch. Yep. And I said, I want that when I'm 50. Mm -hmm. So when the opportunity came up for me, I told John, I said, "I, I saw it, man. And when I wasn't getting, when I was putting out records and I wasn't getting consistent paychecks, my royalties, I was like, no, nah, this shit ain't paying off. Yeah, yeah. when you, you know, you got to go out on the road and you get a paycheck, but then you got to pay this guy and that guy. And <laughs> yeah, this guy yeah. takes 10%. This guy takes 20%. And you got to pay the merch table 25%. And then you, you just have like $300 in your pocket. And you're like, wait, wait. Yeah. I just got a check for five grand. And you telling me I only have 300? <laughs> you know, after gas and food and everything? Really? Nah.
0: This don't work. I never got a check for five grand. <laughs> yeah, right. You're no, i are so full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> never once. You're full of crap. Oh, man. Listen, dude, um, for the sake of the show, I'll say thank you. I appreciate you talking about all this. From Melissa to your dad, I know how much you loved your dad. You know? uh, yeah, man. I got to meet him a couple times. He's always yeah, nice man. to me. Um, but yeah, thank you for this.
1: No problem, Mark, man. I mean, you're my brother. I'd do anything for you.
0: I know that. That's the weird thing. I totally know that. Mm -hmm. Ah, yes. Ladies and gents, Renee Vasquez. So, how you doing? (laughs) If you're anything like me, you are barely hanging on at this point. Uh, You know what's great? You can reach Renee on Twitter right now at the Real Peace586. If this landed with you or blessed you, why not let him know? I think that'd be pretty sweet of you. Tonight we heard, Dear Lord, bring me down and copy all beats and tracks that Peace put together for his various projects. Again, hit him up on Twitter, The Real Peace586. See what he's up to, why don't you? Still collecting emails from you for an upcoming letters episode that I hope we get to pull off because you know what? I think it'd be a lot of fun. I need to know what is your quintessential symbol of the 90s? Give me a movie, a book, a show, a TV show, clothing, fad, album, whatever you got. What is the 90s to you? Let's have some fun with it. I think we're due, you know? Lastly, this show is entirely listener supported. I don't work TV for fun. I'm just a working stiff. There are more people than me involved in this thing. A lot of hours put into each show and I'd like to make sure they are able to keep on keeping on. We have a Patreon page, patreon.com backslash never was that's Patreon P A T R E O N.com. Uh, and there's a link, I mean on every page of, of, uh, the podcast on I never com, There's a link to the Patreon page. You can just click on there, you know, throw a buck or two into the, to the kitty, it's, uh, it helps us keep the proverbial lights on, and, and that would be awesome. And to all my patreonic lovers who've been faithfully contributing, thank you. Thank you very much. I honestly don't know what to say beyond that. This show was produced by Billy Power and the Urban Achiever Podcast. Any and all music you heard outside of pieces contributions were from my band White Lighter's self-titled debut album on Northern Records. Any and all lagging or failures or wacky audio or coughing or sniffling or whatever is the work of me. Thanks. Thanks for putting up with me. Oh, P.S. If the NASCAR Sprint Cup Series comes to your town, go watch it and look for the bald idiot holding a pole up in the air and then uh, say hello. That'd be amazing. Please. I need someone to witness the weirdness that is me surrounded by people who really love Bud Light. And who loves some guy they keep calling, Junior! Junior! Till next week, be good. Rainbow out.